This is Law Enforcement Leadership with Dr. Jack Enter. For over 40 years, Jack has trained law enforcement officers all over the world and has learned some valuable lessons that he's passing on to you. For more information about Jack's speaking schedule, go to jackenter.com. All right, welcome back to Law Enforcement Leadership with Dr. Jack Enter. In the previous episode, we talked about the fact that most managers are failing as leaders in their organization and that this phenomenon exists not only in law enforcement, but also in the private sector. And, and even around the world, uh, you see this same thing. And that's due primarily to a lack of effective training for the roles that they're called to fill and other factors, of course. And we're not just here to say that there's a problem. Everyone knows there's a problem. But this podcast aims to point us to some solutions as well. So as we continue the conversation, Jack, uh, one thing I've heard you say is that there are four factors that contribute to the effectiveness of a leader. Can you uh, walk that out for us a little bit? What are those four factors? The first one's training. Uh, The second one is our perceptions of how we're doing and obviously how we perceive other people as well. The third one is accountability, uh, where we are being held accountable or people are failing to hold us accountable. And the last one is fear. Okay, so those four factors you're saying are why most managers are failing. It has to do with their training is inadequate, their perceptions are are false, they aren't held accountable, and fear. It also explains why operational people are effective. Which is interesting because when those factors are negative versus positive, it brings out the worst in us where when they are present in a positive way, they make us better. Yeah, that's really interesting how um, what an impact these things have uh, on people in your career and your ability to handle things. Um, So why don't we focus in on that first one then, uh, the aspect of training why is that different in the management culture? What, what's different about the training? Well, let's first off talk about what is training. I mean, you think about that education is a fairly recent phenomenon in history. Uh, throughout history, uh, the way culture survived and passed on to the next generation was not through education but through training. You tell somebody something, you show them how to do it, and then you make them do it. And then repeating that uh, gives them skills. And life is a skill. Hey, wait, so help me understand what you mean a little bit about uh, education and how it's different from the way it used to be. Uh, Explain that a little bit. Education's new because, and education and training are very much different. Um, Education talks about the why. Uh, Training shows how it's done. And again, I mean, you think about 400 years ago or 1,000 years ago, how a farmer trained his son to farm the land was not have a lecture or send him off to school. He taught him by the tell, see, and make them do and practice and develop skills. I, the, the word picture I like to use with training is tools that... Uh, When you think of a brand new baby 
or a very young child, they have no skills. They have very little tools. They act uh, pretty predictably. Um, they're very self-centered. They cannot survive on their own. It's interesting, the animal kingdom, that after six months or, or so, most animals can survive on their own. Uh, but these complex human beings must be trained. Um, and so what we see is, is how do we learn the skills? And if we're going to see this is very important because if you do not learn the skills, you can't perform something. And those skills are generally in two major areas, our thinking, how do we think about ourselves? And if you've been around two-year-olds, um, you know who they think about all the time, which is themselves. And obviously, they have to be socialized. If you really think about that, what does that mean? It means that they have to be taught to fit in and be part of something, not the king or queen over it. Um, and all of us grew up uh, and have seen that two-year-olds can be very frustrating to work with because they uh, are very self-centered, but that you equip them to, and you train them to survive as an adult. See, the goal is you're training them up to be an adult. The, the quote we're going to use on this principle, which I think is the foundation for the other three, is under pressure, under stress, we do not rise to the occasion. We fall back on our training, whether good or bad. And so what we're going to talk about in this one, and we're going to see this throughout the podcast, is you have to develop skills, and the primary way you develop skills is through watching other people do it. And the good versus bad is we can learn bad habits and we can learn good habits. We're always being trained by those men and women around us. And the question is, who's training us? And if you're 21 years old or you're 48 years old, you are a product of the men and women around you. Um, so it's training, but the primary method by which we train is in relationships. Okay, that is really interesting. Um, you know, we don't usually think of it that way. You think of it as information. So what you're talking about with training is it's not so much just strict education. It's really, in, it's really involving somebody so that they watch you, they see what you're doing. You practice it in front of them, then you also sort of involve them in the process and coach them up along the way? Yes. It, it's, we are impacted by what we see. It's interesting that, and you think about this in the context of the podcast, hearing is our least reliable method of learning because our, our hearing part of our brain is not the primary way by which we learn. How we learn is by watching it being done or pictures we've seen and events that have happened in our lives, those shape us more powerfully than words. And, and that's why education is limited in its ability to give us skills. Think about it this way. Training teaches us to live tact tactfully, no, tactically, that we can do it. Education is about knowledge, but much of that knowledge has never been practiced and proven. So skills give us the tools to do it. Education can give us why it's done, but until we do it, and it's interesting, once we are trained, we understand the education we've had. 
Um, why are we? Why is this important to do this? Once we're required to do it, we see, well, if you don't do this, then things go wrong. So training trumps education in the development of, development of skills. Okay, so that's really interesting. So the, the way that we train managers is different than we train the operational people is what you're saying. We, we train managers primarily in sort of a classroom setting, and it's just an information download, but they're not, it's not really modeled for them in the same way that it is in the operational environment. Absolutely. Think about this for a minute. If I go, we've already mentioned this in the previous sessions, 90% of law enforcement do a good job, do their job effectively, believe in their job, and they're training the new police officers and deputies and special agents how it's done, why it's done, and that training is not just in the formal training, but in the informal training of relationships after you enter the law enforcement career and you're continuing surrounded by men and women who have different levels of skills that you are picking up as you go through your operational career. Managers don't have that. 90% of their managers are failing to lead. So even though I think everybody intuitively understands leadership, you're not seeing it practiced. And it's interesting, every police officer I've known throughout my career, in 1972, we, we stood next to our patrol car and complain about our sergeants. And then in pride, we said, we will never be like them. But we did not understand. We were being trained to how not to lead. So when it came our opportunity, we had no tools in our toolbox or limited because most of our managers did not lead. And it is through modeling that we learn things. The operational level has an amazing comprehensive modeling program as well as a regular training program. So you're constantly being reinforced and trained and retrained every day. And in the management culture, we were not equipped before we promoted, and we have no people to help us when we get promoted because most of them are not leading. And bad examples, even though we, they frustrate us and hate us, do not teach us the right way to do something. You've heard the expression, you may cuss your daddy, but you're a lot like him. Modeling is, is the most powerful form of training. Can I give you an example of that? Yeah. Um, I was picked up by a federal agent in a major city, and as we drove uh, to the training site, I asked him where he was from, and he was from the city we were in, which is one of the most dangerous crime-ridden cities in the country. And he explained that he grew up in a very bad neighborhood, very antagonistic towards the police, and uh, talked about gunfire at night. And then he also mentioned that his brother was a police officer for the municipality. And he looked at me and said, you're probably wondering why I grew up in this neighborhood that did not like law enforcement. My brother grew up in this neighborhood, but we became, we became law enforcement. And I said, well, if you want to explain why that happened, that'd be great. And he said, because my mother believed in show me your friends, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Basically, he said that as they grew up, his mother purposely 
prohibited him from being around the bad people in the neighborhood, the gangs, uh, criminals, but also replaced it with positive contacts with law enforcement personnel that worked in that area, that were relatives of their family, that he and his brother constantly were exposed to the positive side of the law enforcement culture instead of primarily being just, just exposed to gang, gangsters and criminals. As a result of that, those relationships modeled something they wanted to be. And so the issue of show me your friends and show me your future, the modeling is powerful. And the difference between, think about those two men who are in law enforcement this day versus those who died in prison or were killed on the streets of this city. They grew up in the same geographic area, but their relationships were totally different, and the modeling they received was totally different. And that's what we're going to see as a theme throughout this, that um, effective police officers train through modeling and through relationships, because we're social human beings. We love relationship. The group is very strong in how we learn. But in the management culture, it is an ineffective culture when it comes to leadership. So you have people doing their job at the operational level who teach us how to do our job, and then we have ineffective managers who do not teach the future sergeants and the future lieutenants how to do their job. And we're seeing the legacy of ineffective managers creating ineffective managers for the future. Hmm. So why do you think that is in the law enforcement culture? Is it just this survival mode where um, where the, the really important stuff seems to be what's happening on the street, and so that's where people get killed, that's where it's dangerous, and so that's where all the training goes. And then, But it's just chaos, and so you need a leader, so you just grab somebody? I, I think part of it is, and I think this is important for the law enforcement people who are listening to this, I, I've done this presentations for, presentation for the private sector. They're all seeing the same problem. If you, if you ask a computer company what percentage of their managers are leading, they will say 10%, 15%. But their operational people or their technical people do a good job. The only person, uh, group of people that I've met that consistently don't go that way are the military because the military has a strong, rich tradition of leadership because the mission and their people are the most important thing, not politics, not the bottom line and making a profit. And as a result of that, they've, they value leadership more than anything else that uh, you have to serve your people rather than ask to be served. Um, and we're going to see pride later on, but in the impact it has on people, but but the point of it is, it's not just law enforcement. And when, and I guarantee that any law enforcement person out there that talks to somebody at a doctor's office, or Walmart, or any place, and say, "Are your bosses leaders?" They go, "Oh no, they they're terrible." It's because they've not been trained um, to be leaders. A leader is a leadership's a very rare 
quality in most 95% of organizations. And unfortunately, uh, we are not preparing people for this new job because ineffective people create ineffective people for the future. Do you think that it has to do with the fact that there are different jobs involved? So, so we have people who are very good operationally, and it's primarily a task-oriented role. You know, there's, they do a specific thing and they do it well. Um, but when you get promoted into a management role that is primarily a relational thing and it's, it's a completely different thing, it's not so black and white. Yeah, and I think, too, you, you hit a key point. Um, it's easy to teach or easier to teach operational requirements, not just in law enforcement, but working at a major corporation, because it's things. Um, and, and how do we value and promote people based on their operational success of things and duties and projects and technical stuff. and so, so let me ask you a question. Do you think that we're promoting people for the wrong qualities? Well, obviously a person has to be a good worker, but we're not promoting people based on their leadership. Because leaderships, even though we all know what it is, how do you measure it, yeah. especially before promotion? Yeah. Think about that for a minute. I mean, um, that... A person who is who makes sure that they are other centered. They one of the most common comments we hear about a leader is that he or she would never ask anybody to do what they wouldn't do. Well, think about that. Um, how do we promote people based on the fact that everybody that works with them says, "If I ever need help, they're more happy, more than happy to do that." So we don't train people at the operational level generally to lead. The military does. Why? And this is very interesting. The military always trains leadership from the day you get off the bus to go to basic training. And the reason is very clear that in battle, you may be one of the lowest ranking people there, but you're the only one who is not dead. And you have to take over. So because of that, they train, obviously, how to shoot a, a uh, M4 carbine. They train you how to uh, move and shoot and all these other things. But they also train relationally that you are your brother and sister's keeper. And you're measured on that. Uh, evaluations in the military are the only ones I've ever seen that measures leadership before you're promoted. So they are being prepared for this. They're being tested on this. And let me be honest, if you're, a, if you're an operational person, but you clearly only care about yourself, you will get confronted because you're detracting from the unit identity and effectiveness that you're gonna get somebody killed if you're a lone wolf, so to speak, in business and in law enforcement. Um, we we don't have that strong of a sense of leadership. You know, it's kind of interesting. This reminds me a little bit, um, you mentioned the military, and it reminded me of, um, you know, the Band of Brothers, where um, there's one guy there, his name's Sergeant Spear, I think his name is, and he's just absolutely fearless, and he's incredibly effective in the field. I mean, there's one point where um, he, he charges 
by himself straight through German lines in order to accomplish an objective. I mean, just absolutely amazing, right? Fearless. But then later on in the show, he gets promoted and you see him, he's now drowning in paperwork and he's incredibly frustrated, angry, and he's not an effective leader in that environment. So it's kind of interesting how you see, like, here's an insanely effective guy who was pulled out of really what he was effective at doing, put into an environment that he wasn't prepared for. And uh, it really reflects what you're saying here. Think about this. Uh, and I forgot, I think it was Stephen Covey that mentioned. He says, where we make a mistake is we promote independent people based on performance into an interdependent position for which we've never prepared them. So what the story you just gave is a person who's a warrior, but he was not a leader or a manager. And he was put in a position for which he was not, he was not gifted. He had not been trained and he failed. Um, yeah, see, that's really interesting because, um, you know, we, we do this a lot. We, we have very effective operational people, and then we, we reward them for their work, and we pull them out of their element and put them into a position that we haven't trained them for, that they're not really good at. So, so I guess here's my question. Do you think it's both that, that we have to train them in the skills and we have to do an effective job of relational training to give them the tools that they need. But do you think it's also that we also need to change how we select people for the role, how we promote them? Uh, there needs to be a different measurement, you think? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. So, it's interesting. Uh, one quick thing. Um, I had a police chief tell me he was very frustrated by the promotional system hmm. because basically it promoted people who could take a test. Think about that. Uh, the most... Um, Promotional exams are based on your ability to memorize material, regurgitate it on the test. And he said they were not doing very well in selecting leaders. Uh, two things I want to mention. One, they did something very interesting. He got a, really frustrated. And so he went to his secretary. He said, how many people we have in this agency currently, today? And she said, 103. He said, I want you to type this on a sheet of paper. And how many sergeants openings do we have? She said, three. He says, I want you to type this memo. List the three names and say, circle the best one when it comes to leadership. Who cares for you? Who will speak truth to you? Who works with you instead of over you? Who's the best? Who's going to be the best sergeant? He said that those were the be, that was the best promotion, most successful promotional process they ever had. Why? Because they measured leadership, and they asked the people, "Who would you like to see over you? Who would you? Who do you respect so much that you know they can do this?" The other thing too is some agencies are experimenting with promoting only people who've been field training officers. A field training officer is a person who trains, who is not a supervisor, but trains young employees coming out of the academy. Requires a huge amount of patience and 
uh, mentoring, and all the things that are a classic sergeant's behavior. And unless you can prove that you can do that and you have shown your ability to be patient, to instruct, to deal with hard issues and confront people, then you're not going to be allowed to be promoted sergeant. Uh, when I was there, a sergeant, two sergeants, a lieutenant, and a captain were being promoted, and I actually sat in on the promotion ceremony. And they said all of them were from the field training officer program, and that the rank and file celebrated when the announcements came out that these three people, because they knew they could do this, they had already proven leadership in a non-supervisor level. So now, and that was an interesting way of figuring out who is the best person. Think about this. Who is the person that when you join the organization and you walk into the locker room says, can I help you? Let me show you where the locker room is. Let me show you with this. Um, let me show you where you can get your gear. That is who we need to be looking for than the lone wolf who is only concerned about, you know, mayhem and, and the danger on the street. Hmm. Yeah, you know, that's this is just a really fascinating concept with regard to leadership is how much we need to change what we're looking for and who we promote into those positions. That really is a very helpful concept. That's it's more relational. It's more about people caring about each other um, and communicating. And it's not just doing your current job well. There's other qualities to look for. So in our next episode, we're going to talk about perceptions, which is your second factor. Can you give us a preview? We're going to see with perceptions is the role of training and relationships and how it affects our perceptions, which have amazing implications for how we deal with pride, uh, whether we live delusionally or not, um, in what uh, we think we're doing versus what we are doing, and then these are, again, all interrelated to together, accountability as well as fear. All right, some good stuff from Dr. Jack Enter today. Be sure to tune in next time as we discuss the issue of perceptions in leadership. You can listen on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out jackenter.com to order his books or to find information about his speaking schedule. Thank you for listening and see you next time.